Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Pod Strickland. I'm your host, Shorty Poo, and this is episode 217. I'm joined by my co-host, as always, on Fridays, Prez, that's at Presidente on Twitter. Prez, what is going on? Not much. I hope you enjoyed your one-week break from my nonsense, because I don't take breaks very often, but... We're done with the draft hiatus, so I'm now back on the internet and ready to annoy everybody with 2023 draft clips. Nice. I'm very prepared to not care about any of that uh, for at least a few months. Uh, But before we get started, I do have to make an announcement. The Strickland is a Patreon. You can subscribe to it. There are several tiers. There is a $6 tier that gets you access to Pod Strickland. This pod right here that I do every Friday with Prez also get access to the mail bag, the Doug bag, the Drew Steele bag that is hosted every week by Drew Steele, or every other week, sorry, by Drew Steele. You also get access to the Strickland Discord where the conversation never stops, even during the dog days of summer. There's a $9 carry that gets you access to Strick and Roll, my solo pod. Uh where I rant, yell, and rave about the Knicks even more. You also get access to wonderful weekly articles by Jack Huntley and Matthew Miranda, two of the best in the business. Been a little off schedule with those, but once the season rolls around, they will be producing the content. There are further tiers. There's a $15 tier, $30 tier, $50 tier, and $100 tier. Those come with a variety of additional benefits like merchandise discounts, listening in on pod recordings, even potentially co-hosting a podcast alongside yours truly. Whether you choose to subscribe or not, none of this would be possible without you. Uh, So without further ado, let's get started. Uh, I guess one place to get started, we can just talk about this real quick, because God forbid uh, we go (laughs) one podcast without talking about the annoying thing that is the Donovan Mitchell train. Um, According to Tony Jones, on the NBA, who has me blocked on Twitter uh, because I'm a <laughs> fucking sensitive ass loser? Um, Did you get or, blocked pre Donovan Mitchell trade saga? Though oh, I got blocked by him like during the pandemic. Um, See, or I guess listeners, not, 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 listeners, not that the pandemic is over during the lock during lockdown. Yeah, listeners are new to the getting blocked by Tony game, but Shun. Yeah. Shrin's not new to this. He's true to this. He's been about it. Yeah, he blocked me for really something very stupid. I have no idea why he blocked me. Um, but he tweeted out a few things. Or he, he talked about this, I think, on a podcast or some bullshit. I don't really care. I haven't uh, seen the aggregation, so I'm, I'm looking forward to this. <laughs> yeah, uh, this is uh, from Jazz Nation at Jazz Nation News. Apparently, uh, Tony Jones said, Knicks and the Utah Jazz haven't spoken in weeks. Bullshit. Uh, New York had an offer on table, but not enough for the Jazz. Says neither side are close on a deal. 
Jazz number one player they want in a deal is Grimes, and New York doesn't want to give him. New York is okay with giving up Obi Toppin. Um, my thoughts on this are that I buy the first. I don't buy that they haven't talked in weeks. I'm, I think there's like, you know, there's all kinds of. There's like, nothing new in weeks, right? Like, yeah, <laughs> like they, I'm, like they probably haven't had an extended conversation in weeks, but like, I'm sure that they've bounced around a few ideas here and there. Um, and even if so they I, haven't talked real quick, like the implic, like I feel like a lot of people would see that and be like, "Oh, like this, the chances, like they're so far away, the chances of this trade are lower than we thought." And that's not what it means. It just means that both sides have drawn lines in the sand for now, and there was nothing in the last two weeks to change it. Right? Like, what on earth? The WNBA playoffs is that going to change what they offered? Like literally, nothing else is happening in the, in the world of basketball to change their offers. So why would they? Uh, and look, I, I think basically every podcast I've listened to, and you know, whatever um, they've mentioned, how and I think this is a valid point. The last like three seasons have kind of happened in less than twenty four months. Uh, like because you had the end of the 2019-20 season in the bubble, and then you had 2020-21, which was like a very short break in between those. And then you had a shorter break than normal between that and this just this past season, which included the Olympics in between. Uh, so I just think there are a lot of people that are like basketballed out around the NBA. And that sound, might sound stupid to us, but like this is their summer. Like this is their time to just finally be like, all right, you know what? We're, we're getting time off. And the reality is nothing. If they make the trade today and they made the trade three days before training camp starts, there's basically no, the only people it matters to are the players involved in the trade. And it only matters to them insofar as they have to go get situated. It doesn't actually impact teams preparation training camp, practice, none of that shit gets impacted. So I don't think like that. that's another reason, you know, there's a saying, right? Like deadlines create kind of action. There is no deadline right now. There's no date. There's no like meaningful date. So it's just whatever. Uh, the other part of it is neither side is close on a deal. Sure. Whatever. Uh, I, I think this Grimes and Toppin thing is, I don't want to say it's bullshit. I just don't think it's an like, yes, the Jazz want Quentin Grimes. Like, yes, the Knicks are not willing to give Grimes, but they're okay with giving Obi Toppin. Like, I think this is kind of it's one of not, these... It's not apples to apples. Well, I just think it's a convenient thing. Like, oh, Danny Ainge desperately wants Quentin Grimes. Like, so if this trade goes down and Obi Toppin is not in the trade and Quentin Grimes is in the trade, now he has this, like, you know, oh, I... I got one on Leon. I got the guy he didn't want me to did, that he didn't want to give up, and he had to keep the guy that he was willing to give up. And for the Knicks, it's also like, oh, would they know that he wants Quentin Grimes? So you can act like, no, we're not willing to give Quentin Grimes. No, we're not willing to give Quentin Grimes. So that if and when you finally do give up Quentin Grimes, now it's like this major win for the Jazz. And you keep Obi Toppin, and maybe the pick package isn't as significant as exactly you know, it would be. And but you know, Ainge can cover that up because now he can parade around the fact that he got Quentin Grimes. I just I don't really like like I don't doubt that at a very surface level, all of the things he said are true. 
But I also think if he's saying that they haven't spoken in weeks, like this guy has been breathlessly reporting shit about this trade. What seems like every day or every other day for a couple of weeks, like, buddy, there's no new tidbit, right? So just shut up, enjoy your fucking summer, and go block 500 more people, you fucking bald-ass loser. It's just whack that the state of, like, NBA reporting, well, there's a lot of things about it that are whack right now, but, like, because it's very much a 24-7-365 league, reporters feel obligated to stretch things and convey things that while technically are true don't really do anything other than just generate content for the sake of generating content right so like this is a perfect example so there's a lot of signs that the Knicks really value Obi Toppin starting with the fact that he was a very high draft pick and the first one of this regime like let's not just like Quentin Grimes is pretty good and he had a great summer league but like Obi scored 40 in an NBA game and was the eighth pick and was the national player of the year in college like let's relax there guys all right like quite Grimes is good but he's not Clay Thompson and like nothing Obi Toppin's perfect but like I, I think we're at the point in the season where some Knicks fans are just you know how you get you just start overthinking things and there ain't shit to to do but redigest and redigest news and like you the way these trade conversations go is it, it's especially when you have as many assets of the next of, as the knicks like and honestly like on on danny Ainge's side is too like there's a lot of packages that could probably work for danny Ainge. there's a lot of packages that could probably work for the knicks they haven't agreed to one because they don't have to yet like there's Obi Toppin packages that could work for the Knicks, but they value Obi Toppin, so it would probably be really light, just like a quickly package. Well, we've heard reporting that quickly is just straight up off the table, so like you can you know draw your conclusions from that. But like it, it hasn't it hasn't been said, but look, he's he's off the table, um, right? I'm pretty sure someone said it, but like it, it doesn't it doesn't matter. Like use your brain. Him and yeah. him and Donovan Mitchell have been like. You know, look, best buddies, uh, vacation if, if partners. Not, yeah, if they're not if they're not dating, I, I don't. I they they may as well be because they have been everywhere together this summer. Um, but yeah, like, so you know, like you don't trade you don't trade the guy that is like best friends with the dude that you're trying to trade for. That just it's, that that's not how. And, and this isn't Eric Pascal, best friends. This is like best friends, also a fucking hooper. So like, there's that. <laughs> and but my point is like. The Knicks are trying to hang on to Grimes. Yes, no shit. They're probably trying to hang on to Obi. But there are situations where they would trade both of them. Unfortunately for Danny Ainge, those situations probably don't include four or three unprotected first-round picks, which is why you have a negotiation. And that's really what this Jones reporting is, quote-unquote, reporting, which is not really reporting because it's not nothing new. It's just saying, like, negotiations exist. Configurations of trades exist. That's basically what this is saying. And it's funny because, like, I was thinking about this today. Outside of Knicks fans and Jazz fans, I wonder how, like, I'm sure that there's a couple of people on NBA Twitter, of course, who fully digest things for a bunch of teams, if not all the teams. But, like, most people probably, like, I'm, like, I'm thinking of, like, my, my brothers who are huge Knicks fans but aren't on NBA Twitter, like, 
dude, most people don't give a shit about this. So like, it, it's just weird to me that like, all right, get your, get your hits on the internet, I guess, you know, I, you know, you're a reporter. That's a business. ESPN's a business, the, whatever Tony Jones reports for. Is he it for the athletic or no? Yeah. He's at the athletic. Yeah. yeah he's still there. So like the athletic is a business, whatever. So like, it's just odd, and I, I would just encourage people what I've been encouraging people throughout this whole off season, which is like, you have to read these things very stupidly literal. Like, I always go back to the funniest instance of this, which is like the Knicks are interested in Malcolm Brogdon, armed with the eleventh pick. Like, yes, those two clauses are true. The Knicks were interested in Malcolm Brogdon. I'm sure. If they could have gotten Malcolm Brogdon for really cheap and Jalen Brunson was off the table and Donovan Mitchell was off the table and other guys were off the table, they'd be interested. Were the Knicks armed with the 11th pick? Sure. Sure they were. I'm armed with socks on my feet right now. I have them. They're due. That's a true statement. Like, And it's just... In the summertime at home? That's I like my socks, bro. I like my socks. Is that a hot take? In the summertime? I don't know, man. It's pretty hot. I'm gonna do, I'm gonna do a Twitter poll tomorrow. Socks indoors. <laughs> um, they probably. You know what? Yeah, the less I say about socks, the better. But <laughs> my point is, like, you have to read these tweets very literally, and just also on top of that, read between the lines, just kind of silly. But oh. it's it's just, I just can't wait till training camp so there can actually be a meaningful deadline, like you said, and then. Well, no, like, all right, they, this deadline matters a lot. They get a deal done or they're willing to deal with another deadline and they don't get a deal done. Whoop-de-doo. And then we all fucking move on with our lives. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, the other part of this, too, is, like, I think, I, I just think this. At the end of the day, he wants picks more than anything. Um, so the not Grimes, we're not willing to include Grimes, or we're willing to give you top-end thing. It can also just be something where they're, like, actually willing to give him I don't know, let's say he wants three unprotected picks. Maybe they're willing to give him a third unprotected pick. But they're like, but we're not gonna give you Grimes then. And maybe that's like the entire posturing they have to do. So it's like, yeah, we'll give you a third unprotected pick and a swap instead of including Grimes and we'll keep topping and that can be the middle ground. It's all like I, I don't know. There's seven thousand variations of this trade that could happen. I trying not to care that much about it it just isn't that that's hard. the thing most versions of the trade are reasonable like that's the thing most of these are not going to be like oh leon leon fleeced or daddy age fleeced like it's probably going to end up being a defensible trade here because the jazz are going to get a lot of shit and the knicks are going to get a really good player like nobody's going to get fucking fleeced it, it, it's just look at these the way these guys are operating. I was I almost fucking shed a thug tear the other day just thinking about it. Like old Knicks front offices would have been blinked at this mother. Like as much as I hate Danny Ainge, well, like he would already be a Nick. He would already be a Nick if if it was hell, like, yeah, hell yeah. Steve Mills on the line here, um, right, <laughs> right. <laughs> but I don't know. I just it's, the entire thing is stupid, uh, and I would. I mean, I, I think. It got leaked for a pretty obvious reason. I think everybody knew that he was going to be traded once the Gobert trade went down, and the market sucked. And so now Danny Ainge is trying to drive a market, and I am just very skeptical that there's going to be some significant market for him. I also don't buy the idea that he's completely, totally, 1,000% okay with going into the season with Donovan Mitchell. 
Uh, no, he hasn't complained publicly. I don't even know if he's complained privately. I'm sure he's made it known privately that, like, hey, look, uh, if you guys are going a certain direction, I would like to get the fuck out of here. Uh, I, I don't doubt that. But, you know, like, this idea, like, you know, it's funny because I forgot who brought this up in the Discord, so somebody brought it up. Uh, but, like, he's made what is his trades, right? The great trades that Trader Danny has made. So often he has capitalized on the weaknesses of new ownership. Uh, and that's half the battle. That's like good GMing, but like it's it's important that we acknowledge that. That's all. Well, well, it's part of it. And yeah, you know, look, yeah. if you if you say like the Brooklyn trade that he made, new owner. Uh, this Minnesota trade they made, new owner. Even the Tatum trade was technically that was a new ownership group, and they came in and they got rid of Hinky, I believe, or maybe it was, it was a relatively new ownership group, and they kind of just didn't have the patience anymore with Hinky. Anyway, uh, it's important to remember that this Utah team is also a new ownership group, and that is not to say that they will now suddenly start trying to swing huge win-now moves, but I think that there is a tell that they they want to go into the season with this thing sorted out. I don't think they want this hanging over them. I think they want to know that they are full bore into the rebuild. You don't do the Gobert trade and then stop. You don't get half pregnant, right? Um, so if you're going to do it, you're going to go all the way. I, I Does that mean that the Knicks, again, like to your point, like, I don't think there's any version of this that ends up with the Knicks just like, oh my God, they gave up two unprotected picks and 23 and 25 and two protected picks and they got down to Mitchell. Like, that's not going to happen. I also don't think they're going to give up everything. They're not. Not even think. They're just not. They're not going to give up everything. There's going to be some type of middle ground that is reached at some point. I think that middle ground will probably be a little bit. It, it'll be more painful for fans of each team than it will be probably for each front office. Um, but I, I do think a deal will get done, and I'm not that worried about it. So I. If anybody wants to listen to more Donovan Mitchell talk, um, I don't really care. Because if we're going to talk about him anymore on this pod, it's not going to be about what's the trade, how much should they trade for him, what should they do. Like, I I don't care. It's not – like, I personally don't even want to make this trade. And it's not because – like, look, I, I've heard a lot of this whole, like, there's this prevailing – or not prevailing theory, but there's this theory that, like, Oh, there are Knicks fans that are turning their nose up at Donovan Mitchell. Oh, I'm sorry. Like because Wait, what? Really? <laughs> like you've done, oh, because because if I express reservations about trading for Donovan Mitchell, like ha- I'm sorry, but nobody's like Donovan Mitchell's butt, right? Well, no, it's not, that it's that not a thing. No, no, okay. it's not even that. It's like the idea is well, who are Knicks fans to say no I to see. Donovan Mitchell? And I just want to say. Stop treating this guy like he is Michael Jordan. Stop treating him like he is Giannis. Stop treating him like he's LeBron. Stop even tr- treating him like he is that seven-foot slender loser in Brooklyn, Kevin Durant. He is none of these guys. He's a really good player. He's a really good player. He, shit, he isn't even mellow in 2011, okay? And I am not the world's, you know, I'm not, you know, trust me, I'm not sitting here waxing poetic about the Carmelo Anthony era in New York. Um, but like to me, he's not at that level of player either. And maybe that says more about 
how much talent there is in the league now, whatever. It doesn't really matter. Relative to the league at this point in time, he is not the type of player. He's not as good as Melo was in 2011. That's as far as I'm concerned. Now, would I trade for him? Sure. But there's also, like, I, I'm sorry, but this idea that we can't have standards because the Knicks haven't been good for a while is probably the dumbest fucking idea I've ever heard in my life. That's like, I don't even know what the comparison to that is, and I'm not going to try to draw one because I'm pretty bad at analogies, but like, <laughs> the Knicks not being good for a long time does it's not... Irrelevant. Mean, it's irrelevant. It's not... It's It can be relevant if you're just saying like, this is the type of player they should try to acquire. I don't have a problem with that. That is not my problem about going and getting Donovan Mitchell. I don't... Like, whatever my reservations are about Donovan Mitchell, I don't think he's a bad player. I think that there are very real flaws with him and that that should impact how much you're willing to give up. And we can have a discussion. We've had discussions about what is right, what is too much, what is too little, what is the right amount, where does he rank among the NBA hierarchy? If you want to listen to that discussion, listen to mine and Stacey's pod that we did on Monday. Um, but, like, at the end of the day, there are, like, it, there's probably like one player in the league right now, I mean not one, but like a handful of guys in the league right now that I would just, it would be like, I don't care what we give up. Just go get him. Or give up all of our fur. I don't care. Go get him. Like, I'm sorry, if you want to trade for Donovan Mitchell, like you can't want to trade for Donovan Mitchell and then say that it's wrong to like not want him at a certain price if you also or not want him to like be in a position to succeed, that's, that's, that's the other thing. thing. Like, if you, you love Donovan Mitchell so much, even if you think he's that kind of player, like, guess what? All these motherfuckers need help, even Steph and Giannis. <laughs> and 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 if you think that, and like, I haven't heard one person say, "Oh, well, if we get Donovan Mitchell, we'd be a contender." Okay, I agree with that. So, if that is the understanding that we can all agree upon, then doesn't it make it extremely reasonable that there might be a group of fans that are like, well, I don't want to give up three unprotected first for him. Because if we do that, how the hell are we going to get the next guy that we need to get with Donovan Mitchell so that we can be a contender? Like, these are reasonable points of view. Are there extreme people on either side of Most the Most people don't think of team building, bro. Like, people not asking, like, they're, they just literally, like, I guarantee you most of the people who think that are just like, oh, like, you get one player, and then the next superstar will will sign here, and they they just don't think beyond like, okay, how does that happen? Are they in a position to do that? It, what's the chances of that doing it that way versus a trade? How who else has to go for cap space? How much like none of these people are thinking through the processes. They just assume like, and then if you ask how would that happen, and what there's more obstacles to a guy signing and blah blah blah, they're just like, oh, they'll just get it done. Because they see these transactions go in the NBA and they just assume that it's like all like willpower and good fortune and not fucking thoroughly planned. Like, yeah, certain times people get very shit lucky, especially when you're talking about draft stuff. But like Kawhi and PG going to the clips, like all these superstar acquisitions involve lots of planning, whether it's and especially the trade ones. And it's like it's really hard if other people did that shit. If it was so easy, then, like, all these fucking teams would be contenders and not just, like, the five that we've seen and then a couple of smart GMs aside from that. Like, 
people just like it's frustrating and it's annoying hearing people think like that but like these people just don't understand beyond like the back of the basketball card or a fucking sports center reel it's you know it's it's silly like i just people whatever like i just don't care those people i just don't care about their opinions it's just like the dumbest shit yeah uh don't, I just comes to down that. to the fan like julius randall that's what i say right now <laughs> yeah i just wanted to say all that because i have made it known that i don't necessarily think that we can get this deal done at a good price and whatever that price is to various people, I don't think anybody's reservation is that Donovan Mitchell is inherently bad at basketball. Um, so, yeah, anyway. Go with this where you want, Press. All right, so I was thinking, uh, we, what team were we talking about? We were talking about, we were talking about the Hawks. That's what we were talking about. Um, after the thread by A-Hoop, shout out A-Hoop on uh, Trey Young's playoff collapse versus the Heat expertly executed defense by the Heat and Spolstra and all their guys locking Trey up. Um, uh, it just got me thinking, like, you know, there are certain teams that head into the offseason basically good and not really intending to change any fundamental aspect of their offense. And then there's other teams that are good at offense, but Maybe they're only good in the regular season, so they tried to tweak for uh, the playoffs, which is presumably what the Hawks are trying to do with Murray. Um, conversely, you have some teams that could use more experimentation despite being already good and don't try it, which is what happened to the Suns. They pretty much you know, took what took them to the finals and decided, let's rack up 60 wins and... It is what it is, and that should be enough to get us to the finals. Um, and then you have worse teams that are that have not yet settled on real identities. And I don't even mean bad teams necessarily. I just mean worse teams. It could be the Knicks. It could be the Pelicans. It could be the Wolves. Like, whatever. Like, mid-teams. And what one of the most fascinating things to me is trying to guess how offenses will or won't restructure and it's been especially fascinating to me just as a Knicks fan because we've had such weird shenanigans with Tibbs and with Fizdale and it's like you don't have to be you know Greg Popovich to imagine ways an offense could improve even short of roster changes but when you have roster changes it kind of opens up a world of possibility for these coaches to change things so I'm interested in what, in whether you think certain offenses are going to change um, around the league, and even with the Knicks, like this, this, we could start with the Knicks actually. And like for now, let's just assume we don't trade for Donnie, and we pretty much go in with what we have. Um, let's say for for purposes of this hypothetical, Julius is gone, because um, I think we both agree that all the changes in the offense of Julius is here are going to be more window dressing than anything in the grand scheme of things. But like, yeah, I don't, I don't really understand why when it feels like every Knicks person mm-hmm. fan podcaster fucking that's it. Yeah. Just a fan of podcaster. Cause I don't really care about the beat guys. Um, uh, but like, 
it's every time we talk about a Donovan Mitchell trade, we're like, yeah, you know, that'd be cool or whatever we think about it. And we really need to move Randall. And we really need to move Randall. Like, there's always a conversation that's attached to it that's like, oh, we have to move Randall. Whenever I hear other people talk about it, they're always talking about how, like, oh, well, if they get Mitchell, it can, you know, it can lighten the burden on Randall and lower his usage and put him in this position to do all these things. And, like, that's fine if you think that. Um, and, and that's cool. But, like, I feel like there's this – it's just weird how that conversation – it's like there's this understanding of Julius had a terrible year uh, and his game and fit is kind of clunky because the three ball totally went to shit. And then, you know, he had all of these, I don't want to relive it, let's just say interesting energy throughout the year. Um, but, like, it's just weird how when we all talk about it, we're like, that's at least a component that we consider as part of the trade. Whereas when I hear national guys talk about it, it's just kind of like, oh yeah, well you know if they get Mitchell, maybe that'll help Randall. And then and and so then that leads lends itself into like, well then you know what if they include Obi Toppin? That makes sense, right? Because you know Randall's going to be here, and it's like this weirdest thing that I just like. No, like, actually, it doesn't make sense. <laughs> like, yeah, well, it's also just like why is that the assumption that just like. Oh, that's right, like the right. kind of assumptions you make when you're just like hammered and you're just drinking. You're like, yeah, why? Why wouldn't I order that second pie of pepperoni slices <laughs> or whatever? Like, of course, it makes sense at the moment. Let's not think about it that hard. Right. Like, just do it. Fuck it. Yeah. Let's order another shot. Sure. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's probably uh, sorry, more common than, or, than ordering a, a whole nother pie like I did back in my young days. And I wonder why I have high cholesterol. Um. Where was I at? I was, uh, oh yeah, so, yeah, so assume, uh, Randall's out because, fuck it, I'm making the rules of this game. And, you know, we have a rotation that's kind of like what you would, ma- you would imagine, right? Probably Grimes up front with Jalen IQ getting lots of minutes and closing games, um, or not, whatever, like, up to you. Like, do you are think... We, are we I guess Donnie's, Donnie's not here in this scenario, either? Yeah, yeah, no Donnie for this scenario. Okay. Say Danny Ainge keeps having a stick up his butt and doesn't want to do that. So, um, I, I just wonder what what new dimensions will we see? Or will it be the similar offense, but, like, working better? Because Tibbs has the kind of player now. And it doesn't even have to be just the starters, right? Like... Hartenstein adds a whole nother dimension. Like, I'm just curious of about how the offense might change because it was just such so weird and disjointed with Randall and all that shit. And like, we had we got lucky in games where like a random forty ball would come up from one of the shooters, but like, it's really not a good. I mean, like, obviously it's not a good offense. So I'm just well, like, what do you think? The Jalen Brunson, IQ, RJ offense, because that's really what it's going to be, those three guys driving the train. What do you think that looks like? Uh, I mean, I think it just looks like a lot of guys taking turns. Um, it, it might, it'll probably, it'll, it'll look better. A lot, a lot of pick and rolls again? Yeah, lot, it'll always be a lot of pick and rolls. That's Tibbs's, like, thing. yeah, that, that, that's always going to be his thing. There's, there's not, it's not even, Trust me, I, if I want to insult Tibbs, I, I will insult Tibbs. <laughs> we had a lot of handoffs. We were like top five in handoffs, too. Do you think it would be a lot without Randall still? <laughs> Obi likes handoffs. 
yeah, Obi likes handoffs, but that's because he actually like likes to run handoffs. <laughs> uh, like Randall's just out there trying to like. Okay, give I don't, me the ball. I don't. I don't. I don't, not, I don't want to turn this into a Randall hate. It's thing. okay. I, yeah, I've done enough. There's, of that this year. there's plenty of those in the archives. <laughs> yeah, there's also there might be plenty more in our future. Uh, but like, no, I just think, um, you know, I, I look. Jalen can get into the paint. I don't want to say more consistently, more variety in more variety of ways than any of the other point guards on the team, excluding Derrick Rose. Uh, I mean, even including Derrick Rose, because at the end of the day, you can't depend on Derrick Rose, right? So, like, that has to right. matter as part of this equation. Um, I don't. I mean, look, the, the Knicks are. They're not. They don't play at any great pace, which and is, and you don't think that's going to change. I don't think I, that's going to change. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it'll change for a few reasons, and I don't think it's just because of Tibbs. Um, mm-hmm. Like even when we play with the young guys, they get up the floor faster. I don't think they're like particularly great as a transition team still. Um, but like just getting the ball up the floor faster to me is more important than anything. I don't think you need to be some like run and gun 110 pace team or something. You know, <laughs> I don't think you need that, but just get the ball up the floor faster, get into your sets faster. That's all I want. That's all I really ever want. I don't care about how many possessions you have a game. Just make your, just start your shit earlier in the clock. That's it. That's all I ask for. Um, I think it'll continue to be what it is though. Like, I like the Brunson addition. Brunson is not moving. He's not pushing tempo. He's not going That's to... That's not his thing. It's not his he, thing. He, he'll help you get into offense faster a little bit just because he's he'll, a really good Just player. because he's like a capable professional point guard, right? Well, he's like a he's a good ball handler. So even if you mm. have defenders, like he can't just be hounded 94 feet and slowed down. You know, like he doesn't need to turn his back to the defender to get the ball at the floor. He can just get the ball at the floor. So, like, inherently, your offense should get into sets faster. Um, so that, that'll that be there. I still think it's going to end up being a lot of taking turns type of possessions. Uh, to your point... Here's a, here's a question real quick, because uh, building off what you said um, about getting into sets earlier, I think it's really important that you can rely on uh, Bronson and IQ to get into sets earlier. Because one of the key characteristics to me where the Knicks offense failed is they didn't get secondary actions hardly ever that were not simple bailout, like give it to somebody and just they'll throw up some horse shit. So like, I literally don't know what a Tibbs Knicks offense looks like that has secondary actions. And that's one of those things where like, even though it, it Tibbs is partially to, br- to blame for like not holding the team accountable to get into sets faster. I'm pretty sure, like, provided he has guys who do that, he'll have things in place for them. On maybe not like super duper scripted or anything, but like, there will be some stuff there in terms of like, oh, the first pick and roll gets overloaded. What happens next? Or like, you know, shit like that. And do you think that's true, or am I just like giving too much? Am I too optimistic here? I honestly, I don't, I don't know. I'm not really that optimistic <laughs> about Tibbs offensively. I, I think yeah. that at the, he'll let the guys push it. I, like I said, I think it's still going to end up being a lot of taking turns. Um, he doesn't 
seem to ha- there, there's not anything really happening off ball unless the entire set that we're running at that time is design is designed to get the off ball guy the ball. Um, mm. It's not a free flowing offense. There's not a lot of just improvisation within it, aside from the ball handler. Um, mm-hmm. There's not a lot of read and react type of stuff. So we'll see. I, I'm again, I'm not that optimistic about that part of it. Uh, at a very basic level, I just would like to see, you know, like set screens higher up the floor. Like th- that's re- like. That is not a big ask. And that <laughs> that's really that's should... been your number one ask for like three years. <laughs> it's, it's ridiculous. Just set screens high before. Like, you... like, I don't know why. Like we know quickly has range. Like sure, you don't want him taking those like Steph Curry threes, but like he can comfortably shoot three to five feet behind the arc. That's yeah. probably and that's an easier shot for him to get, to walk into than if you set the screen like two feet behind the arc. And so now when he comes around the screen, the space he has to get that three off is so much tighter, which allows the defender to rear view contest way more effectively. Now, some of the times that results in him drawing a foul or getting sometimes it even gets a four point play out of it. But guess what? I, I feel like that's not the thing you want to rely on. What I would like to rely on is creating that space. And now you're putting the drop defender, assuming the defender is playing, the center is playing drop. If quickly makes a three or two, now he's in a difficult position. Now that opens up all kinds of things. One thing I will say is that, um, who was it? Tom Piccolo had a really good tweet today about, uh, you know, quickly's volume of pull up three point shooting. Um, and I, I don't, it, it, whether it, you know, if Donovan Mitchell here, if Donovan Mitchell was here, even more so, this would be true. But like, I, there should be enough gravity on this team uh, with the ball handlers at our disposal, the primary ball handlers at our disposal, that I don't think like RJ Barrett needs to be able to just score efficiently this year. Not even like super. Just get me to like fifty-four, fifty-five true shootings. Like this is not asking for the moon but like there should be enough space especially in your scenario where julius isn't here the paint should be a lot more open there should be more opportunities for him to attack a tilted defense those are the type of things like i think he would be the one player not the one player but he he might benefit the most from playing alongside a Brunson and quickly pairing or a Mitchell pairing, Mitchell pairing very obviously because of how much gravity those guys have. And if they can swing it to him on the second side, now that's just something he hasn't seen in his career really ever. Uh, Aside from some, maybe some insane weird Julius games where he's like balling outrageous and also willing to pass him the ball. Um, Neither RJ nor Donnie have really had that. I know we're not talking about Donnie in this scenario, but yeah. Yeah, so I just I just think that that's something to, to consider. The action never ends at DraftKings Sportsbook, especially this summer. With tons of ways to bet on all your favorite sports, you can fuel your fandom and feel the heat of the season like never before. Plus, right now, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving new customers a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's right. Make your first bet up to $1,000, and if it doesn't win, you'll get another shot to cash in. You can throw down on all the major action for baseball, golf, MMA, and more. Plus, with same-game parlays, 
spreads, money lines, over-unders, and props, your betting options feel endless. Best of all, DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN, make your first deposit, and get a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's promo code TBPN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. The early offense, or I shouldn't say, like you said, I shouldn't say early offense, but just like professional, professionally handling getting into offense early and then adapting to possible second actions. High screens is up there. Um, if they start Quentin, I'd like him to not be purely in the Evan Fournier corner, as great as he would be just doing that. I'd like him actually moving around because unlike Evan, he's young and can actually run fast. <laughs> um, what else? Handoffs. I still want handoffs, both with Hartenstein and with uh, um, Obi. Um, with RJ, I would be looking for more creativity from Tibbs, and perhaps this is just setting myself up for disappointment because like the, the basic set of like pistol stack options that they have is, is really great and all that. And it works really well. Um, but like he hasn't had a chance to attack off other guys and there are things you can do to like, yes, someone like Jalen or quickly can create and then notice RJ and then kick it out to him after bending the defense. But you can also have pre-planned actions that set that where that is the goal. Right. And we just didn't have anybody who you could use for a pre-planned action as a guard outside of like maybe Derek Rose sometimes. And with Derek, he's not he's not really processing cool. reads like that. So <laughs> I think to say the least or to say, yeah, I mean, whether if they get Brunson or if they get Brunson, if they get Donnie or not. I don't think he has any excuse anymore to run an offense that isn't a bit more creative. He just doesn't. Mm -hmm. um, there's enough talent here. And there's his type of talent specifically. Yeah. yeah, there's enough talent. There's enough ball handling. There's enough playmaking from different positions. Um, there are enough guys that are not just ISO dominant with on-ball players, okay, if he so chooses to employ them as such and to maximize their time. Now, if he wants to just do... RJ and Jalen Brunson and you know you know in the scenario you're not laying out uh, Art Randall still here and he just wants to you know I think it'll be a better offense than it was last year I don't think it'll be particularly good um, because Randall hasn't shown that he can be part of a offense that 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 works at a high level really um, that's like he's talented. Uh, is he able to maximize his talent? I don't think so. Um, but yeah, like I, I think the Knicks offense will be... I really don't think it'll be that much different. Um, they have a lot of perimeter-oriented actions already in them. But like the onus of his offense will be... It, it has been, it is, and it will always be very, very much on the ball, the player with the ball in his hands 
It is on them to create something in that moment. And if they don't create something, they will swing it to somebody, and that person will then have to create something. Um, and really all that changes is the location where that designated person gets the ball. In 2020-21, when Julius had it going, a lot of it was elbow and mid-post action for him to get the ball and then do something with it. And last year, it depended on who had it going. And in the case of Randall, just if he was on the floor. If he was on the floor, we ran shit through him, and it wasn't particularly great. When he wasn't on the floor, it was a lot of, okay, quickly gets to cook now. Okay, Burks, you get to do more stuff now. Okay, RJ, you get to do more stuff now. Like, it's just always going to be an offense that is very... Uh, I don't want to say disjointed. That's the wrong word. It's very segmented. There's not that's a good way of putting it. It's not and it's... an offense. It's not an offense that's like a fucking five-man orchestra. It's very much a lot of broken up two-man action. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.